is Wednesday, my dudes. Welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Poll List. My name is Lex, and this episode is going to be a blast from the past. To be 100% honest with you, I got caught up with the family festivities for the 4th of July, and I never finished the edit of this week's actual episode. My bad. Also, it was distracting online this week. I don't know if you saw the influx of Twitter variants hitting the internet. Uh, what's up with that? You'll have to reach out to me and let me know where you're setting up shops so we can hang out. I tried to search a backlog for a Captain America episode to keep it on brand for the patriotic week, but I realized we didn't have one, so we'll have to fix that for next summer. I landed on Superman Smashes the Clan. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're a longtime friend of the show, then you should stay till the end to hear about the newsletter we're about to release. Now, I won't be mad if you fast forward to that part because I really just want to talk about the newsletter. Either way, I'm happy you're here. Let's talk about Superman Smashes the Clan. This week on the podcast, we were reviewing a book called Superman Smashes the Clan. When I told Simon that we were reading that this week, his response was, oh, wow. <laughs> it's sort of a, a intense title. Mm-hmm. But the book is not very intense for the subject matter. No, not no. But and, I mean, it's definitely not like glossed over. But it's not like Inglorious Bastards with Superman. <laughs> I, I would rather have read that, honestly. <laughs> not that this was bad, but I'm just saying that would have been a cooler. <laughs> that does sound pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but it would be a short movie. <laughs> yeah, just hundred people's heads up. Superman just flying through like Omni Man in that one. One episode. Oh, God, yeah. Just ripping through Germany. Okay. The year is 1946, and the Lee family has moved from Metropolis, Chinatown. Metropolis is huge at this point in, in 1946. The cent- to the center of the bustling city. While Dr. Lee is greeted warmly in his new position at the Metropolis Health Department, his two kids, Roberta and Tommy, are more excited about being closer to the famous hero, Superman. Inspired by the 1940s Superman radio serial, Clan of the Fiery Cross, and drawn by, not even going to try it, Gene Luen Yang, who did American Born Chinese, Boxers and Saints, The Terrifics, which is my favorite DC book of all time, and New Superman. Brings his brings us his personal retelling of the adventures of the Lee family as they teamed up with Superman to smash the coin. So we all need, let's see. So I, I do think it's interesting, and we'll get into that later, that they were in the center of the city, which it looked just like a suburb, you know? Yeah, how big is Metropolis? That's why I said, how big is Metropolis? They have a Chinatown and the suburbs and... It's like one block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So weird. Especially this is like the 40s, so it shouldn't be as big as it is in modern time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It is cool that they based this off of that old, um, it was a pretty big deal that they, the radio show back then released this episode where Superman takes on the Klan because the Ku Klux Klan back then in the 40s was such a like big deal. Obviously, they were really terrible, terrible people that still exist in the world. Mm-hmm. But they were just out of control in, that, in this point in time and um, it was interesting to just realize that not all white people were those people. And I feel like that might be a common misconception, especially back then. And for Superman to take on these guys and sort of 
bring the Ku Klux Klan, which is weird that it did bring it to the forefront and like, oh, hey, these guys are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, to me, it's a big deal, especially in like just comic book history. It's one of my favorite moments. Yeah, and you know, it is kind of interesting to turn that on its head because there was so much language of they're one of the good ones or you know whatever of the opposite. Like you say that about. uh any other ethnicity, but then you, to flip it on its head and say, okay, not all white people are bad. This is one of the good yeah. ones. You know what I mean? Um, it's weird. It's definitely strange, mm-hmm. but it's real life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really is. Um, it has a lot of congruency with modern times for sure. Yeah. This book was weirdly, um, I don't know. I, I, I we'll talk about it. Let's talk about issue number one. All right. And again, before we started, it's broken up into three issues. And we talked about this before we recorded. I was like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. 30-minute episode of the podcast. First one in history because it's only three issues. And then I cracked this bad boy open. I got it on Hoopla and it said 250 pages. Each issue is 70 pages. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. What? So, and I'll preface, so I'm, I'll go into issue one in a second. I'll, what I'll... I'll preface that I loved that this was in the past, that this is classic Superman in the 40s, like still the black background to the S, Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to fly, you know. I got Uh, about halfway through issue number one and I was just smiling. I was just like, yes, Superman works as a, and again, we'll talk about more of this later on, but yes, Superman works in modern times. Yes, he's a good superhero and yes, he still works. But I love, that classic version of Superman mm-hmm. faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Like I love that. And I love the world. Like talk about the reporter aspect of Superman means more then to me than it does now. Yeah. 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 Like I just, I just completely need more stories of old Superman. Right. Yeah. The whole, the whole modern day journalism aspect doesn't really, uh, to me, doesn't play. No, but I do that. Yeah, this whole world is built up really well. So okay. uh, let me start with issue one. The year is 1946, and the Lee family has moved from Metropolis's Chinatown to the center of the bustling city. While Dr. Lee is greeted warmly in his new position at Metropolis Health Department, his two kids, Roberta and Tommy, are more excited about being closer to their famous hero, Superman. While Tommy adjusts to the fast pace of the city, Roberta feels out of place as she tries and fails to fit in with the neighborhood kids. As the Lees try to adjust their new lives, an evil is stirring in Metropolis, the Ku Klux Klan. When the Lee family awakens one night to find a burning cross on their lawn, they consider leaving town, but the Daily Planet offers a reward for information on the KKK, and their top two reporters, Lois Lane and Clark Kent, dig into the story. When Tommy is kidnapped by the KKK, Superman leaps into action with help from Roberta, but Superman is still new to his powers. He hasn't even worked out how to fly yet, so he has to run across town. Will Superman and Roberta reach Tommy in time? I will say that I didn't realize that I did that beginning part already. That's all right. Repetition is good. People need repetition. And we did talk about last episode being extremely long, but the purpose of cutting the episode was to cut down on time. So we're not going to go play by play, but I want to talk about, I want to ask you what your favorite things of this issue number one is. Are, and I understand that it was an extremely long issue, yeah. like three issues pretty much in one. Right. So it is difficult. Even even as I was reading that synopsis, I was like, 
oh, that that did happen in that issue. Like, yeah. all that happened is kind of issue. Yeah. I'm pulling um, it up just for a reference sake. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, some of my favorite, I guess, I really liked how the beginning, uh, I like how it started. I like this kind of the first time you see Superman and anything, it's like this kind of Iron Man-esque Nazi villain mm-hmm. uh, right at the beginning is trying to bust down a dam. And it's funny because Superman, everybody knows Superman and they already kind of rely on him to be the stop for these moments, yeah. for these crises. But, you know, the villains haven't learned yet. Mm-hmm. They still are confident enough to try this. Yeah, and everybody doesn't see Superman or even know Superman like we, the reader, do. And even Superman himself, which I really like throughout this book, doesn't know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, that's why you say, like, this guy is a super-powered villain. He's powered by the Green Stone, quote-unquote. He's like Iron Man. Of course he thinks he can beat the shit out of Superman because they don't know that Superman can he can even fly. Yeah. Uh, I did appreciate that too. And again, I'll, I'll preface most of our most of this review by saying this is a book geared towards young adults. It's very um, the art styles, it, it, what you would imagine a young adult book looks like. It's very colorful, no real hard details or anything like that. Very yeah. not Cal Arts, but sort of along the lines of that. I, I would say almost anime esque. Uh, yeah, which. So one criticism I have, which I know normally we kind of assess this out at the end, but I'll just talk about it now, is it was a little bit too like too much like Pokemon Superman to me. I didn't mm-hmm. really like that take. Um, I know where you, it, you know, I agree with you that this is a YA book and that it probably would appeal more there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I could I. Some of the art style I don't mind, but some of it I just couldn't get behind. It, yeah. I don't know yeah. how to describe it. It was hard, kind of, to take it seriously. In some moments, it's definitely hard to take it seriously. And I, and we'll talk. We'll talk about this at the end. I will talk about my my points on that. And I will say that getting to know the Lee family, and so if you if people out there don't know, I am have Japanese, Japanese black. I get it all. I'm mixed all the way around. And so a lot of the stuff is relatable just from talking to my grandmother about the past and the coming to America and things like that. And watching one side, like their family's trying to hold on to their customs and the dad's like, no, we have to speak English, speak English, speak English. He's always telling his wife that. Mm-hmm. And it's just relatable, weirdly relatable. I'm not from the fucking 40s. So it's, you know, it's just weirdly relatable just knowing being close to my grandmother and having those conversations. And I thought they did a really good job of like incorporating that family into this cookie cutter, leave it to beaver, sandlot world. Yeah. Um, Even though this is a YA book, it doesn't really shy away from the, the racism that would have happened in the, in the forties. Yeah. One thing I do appreciate about these writers is obviously because they're not white writers trying to represent an Asian family. Mm-hmm. This isn't written to have these stereotypes that you would normally see. Um, you know, the mom, they're, are they Chinese, right? Chinese. Chinese, yeah. Yeah. So the mom uh, speaking Cantonese or whatever she might be speaking is, uh, you know, besides that, 
but that's so normal. Like you said, like that, I feel like that's so normal when you go into a household with speakers that have a, uh, they have their primary language and then English as their second language. Mm-hmm. They usually will slip into their primary language because they're home. They're comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that about this. It was not like, I don't know. They, they, the only way that I feel like, you know, that they're Chinese is that the mother speaks, uh, you know, whatever Cantonese or whatever. And then the, you know, a little bit about how they're drawn, but they you look so much like the other characters. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. And I agree with you with your um, sort of critique of the art. I do try to think about it through the entire, and I had to make a conscious decision throughout the entire thing to realize like, this is a, a YA book. This is a YA book. Um, so like kids or young adults may not pick up on those things, but yeah, very subtle differences in the characters. Um, but they could have, I don't know. It was only certain dialogue made the distinction between the two of them. Yeah. I guess the only thing you really see between, uh, the Chinese family and any other of the wide family is that they, the irises show up, they draw the irises on all the rest of these people. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Chinese family, they just have like a black large pupil, which I thought was, you know, one other thing. One other thing I will notice is like Superman is hallucinating in this uh, because of the effects from his first experience with Kryptonite. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was cool. Again, I like, I like old Superman. That's one thing that I think I was so enamored with that that I just I wasn't really paying attention to it. a lot of stuff in this first issue. Yeah, and so there I did. In in fact, up until just now. I was very confused of why why Superman was visualizing these like very alien aliens. Yeah, uh, even his parents. He was it was like a subconscious thing. Mm-hmm. I know we're gonna get into that later, but yeah, um, like his hand, he sees like a instead of his regular hand. Once he when he's exposed to this kryptonite, which the Nazi scientists used to power himself, um, he sees his hand as like this three fingered turtle hand like ninja yeah, turtle it threw hand. me off at first at first i thought it was like an illustration error yeah but then but i realized it, he's hallucinating yeah no he's like panicking no one else can see it he's like hey, you know the detective didn't even notice mm-hmm. and as you know we start to see hints at why he's hallucinating we'll talk about that in the next issue and i don't want to go panel by panel but there's one thing that i want to point out because it relates i find it relatable is these it's not just the the Ku Klux Klan in Metropolis don't just have a problem with this one Chinese family happening, which I I appreciate that. I appreciate mm. that they're noticing all these other things. Like in the earlier dialogue, he says first they take over the you know the police department, then they're going to the hell. What's you know what's next? The dialogue to me, even though it's YA, is really really good. Yeah, and some of the snide remarks. Um from these other people you see that general racism that a lot of people don't realize they're doing even yeah. though it is directed in these sense mm-hmm. uh, you know it's like oh yeah you know some guys have all the luck to be put into the the chief bacteriologist of the metropolis yeah. health department like must be nice you know and the, when i realized that they weren't going to shy away from the racism was in that same conversation she was like she says in broken English, like the pie smells good, or she says has good smell or something like that. And he's like, ha, ha, has good smell. That's funny. Uh, I'm sorry, it's apple and it's not dog. That's just yeah. I was like, 
fuck you, dude. Yeah. That really is. I got pissed off at that. And you can tell, like, the mom probably doesn't really understand yeah. what he's saying. And in my head, I'm like, racism is is around still. I would never, never downplay or water down the current environment of racism. But this is like that unfiltered 1940s, like, people could say whatever they want. Now, people have to kind of have to do, like, passive-aggressive racism, unless yeah, you're like, yeah. really bold. But back then, you could just say whatever the fuck you wanted to. Yeah, but white people like, d- did not care. It's just hard to... Sometimes it's hard to read. Yeah, uh, and even though this is a YA book, I'm glad that they didn't shy away from it. You know, they they do all the... You know, there's this... Uh, Roberta is trying... I don't even know if it's in this issue, but she's trying to connect with the other girls, and her brother seems to be popular because he's willing to sort of make you know jokes about being Chinese and things like yeah. that. <laughs> but one of the girls is like... Um, I can't, I can't remember what she says. I never met a Chinese. Are you Chinese or Japanese? Which I've, you know, just being out with my mother and being out with my grandmother, I've gotten that conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though they're different, it's, it's, it was just relatable to see that. Another thing that I think about it was relatable in this issue is that we, talk, we talked about in the synopsis that the KKK come to the house and do the burning cross. Well, these three black guys are just hanging out. And they drive past the house. They're like, "Shit, man, this is this is intense." Like, think of, think about it, man. If you saw a burning cross in someone's yeah. yard, like that would be insane. Well, and this is something. And apparently, they, you know, they know about it. They know what it is. Obviously, they're like, yeah. probably surprised that it's not on there. Fuck, <laughs> you know. Well, and they're saying like in Metropolis, this is happening. Apparently, the Metropolis yeah. is supposed to be like this epicenter of. Uh, sort of you know being open for all people yeah make references to it later on about like yeah some white people hate it but it's supposed to be like this leading progressive place and they stop to help they put out the fire and all these this is after the kkk leaves Mm. um but immediately the dad is like hey get get out of (laughs) here like your guys are you were making it worse yeah and this whole Asian and black relationship is something that I think is relatable because I have family members in Japan that we don't talk to. It's just like a weird dynamic of like different ethnicities don't realize that like, oh, the same thing that's happening to you is happening to me. But like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, a, it's such a weird dynamic. But I'm glad they played, they talked about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's not just white against everybody, you know? Yeah. Other racism obviously exists in other races against yeah. different races that also also experience that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So. And the black police officer, the guy that's a police officer, is like, "Listen, man, like, you, you're not us until you're like you're basically us right now. <laughs> like, the burning cross is in your yard, not mine. Like, they don't real like, and they're talking to each other like they don't realize they're us until they're us. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all they hate us." Yeah, matter. if you're not white, they hate you. So it doesn't matter. Like we can be mad at each other, but and they just leave. And I thought that was really, really good, really good. Tommy gets kidnapped, and I don't know. I just think we get great Superman moments. Uh-huh. That's what I appreciate. We get the the phone booth, change it in the phone booth. I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you kind of start to see. So, like we were talking about, that's happening in this issue. Um, he kind of reminisces on this earlier time when he felt uh, prejudiced against because yeah. he got upset 
because these bullies were uh, attacking his friend. And he shoots lasers out of his eyes for the first time and flies a little bit, like out of anger. Uh, uh-huh. And then, see, and then he sees one of the comic books that his friend would read. He said his friend always read, like, horror and, and stuff Aliens like that. Aliens and stuff and made him uncomfortable. Yeah, and the, and the alien that he's visualizing his parents and himself as was on the cover of this magazine. So it's like this mm-hmm. dramatic past. That's what I didn't catch at first because they don't really mention it later. They yeah. don't really say anything about it later when all of a sudden his parents, his real parents, mm-hmm. um, Jor-El. Yeah, Jor- Jor-El, um, when they all of a sudden don't look like aliens, you know. Jor-El and Martha-El, I don't remember what his mom is. Martha-El. <laughs> Martha-El. Uh, Martha-El, get me in here. I What's did- it? So I'm looking, sorry, just as I'm looking at this panel, there's also a book underneath that says like Oriental Menace or something like Oriental, you know, it just. A, a key moment in that scene that Simon's talking about is Superman. I love how out of touch he is, even though he, you know, he likes to think of himself as human because he's mm-hmm. still dealing with his own stuff, but it finds a relatable moment with the the younger, the daughter, Roberta. And she's talking about like how she feels different how she like like feels it and uh she doesn't feel like she belongs there and then he has this memory that he saves his friend from these bullies flying up and then he goes to check on his friend and his friend is like whoa what the fuck yeah oh get the fuck away from me which yes is relatable in a sense but it's like not as relatable because like they don't she feels out of place because of like her ethnicity and you know who she is he was flying and shooting lasers at him. <laughs> yeah. Like, anybody would, for, if you did that, if we were hanging out and then all of a sudden you did that, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, that's badass. I'm kind of jealous. Cool. But I would, at first, I'd be like, Simon's obviously, this is a, you know, exercise situation. Yeah. I, need to, I need to back away and, and I need to process this. Yeah. yeah like, okay. Maybe he should have talked to his friend in a few days and they would be cool about it. Mm hmm. Instead, he's just like, I'm going to stay away. Um, that's issue number one, pretty much. We're not going to talk about all of it. Um, yeah. The only other key moments are like the, for me, are the indoctrination, uh, you know, of this kid who gets kicked off. He has a reason to dislike the the Asian family because it gets kicked off this baseball team because. But he's more of like an angry kid than well, a racist. Well, and that's the thing. It's like this indoctrination. He gets shoved in that direction by this shitty uncle. Um. Yeah, and you, and you get a little bit of it. Like he's like, "Yeah, go on, Ching Chong. Like throw the baseball. Like just yeah. things like you said that he's been taught." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he doesn't. They're not exposed to it, and that's part of a lot of problems is people not being exposed to other cultures and ethnicities. And so he just automatically thinks, "Of course, you're going to think what your parents, but what your parents tell you, they're not going to tell you wrong. So of course, you're going to believe that. It's, it's a sad truth." Yeah, that's uh, the. <laughs> It's like that Fight Club quote. I probably won't say it word for word. But it's always one of my favorites. It's like if you're, uh, maybe this doesn't apply. So he <laughs> says, if your fathers were your blueprint for God and your father left, what does that say about God? But I, I don't know yeah. if that really applies, but it, it's it does. Like, yeah. you, you see your parents as infallible until yeah. you get in your 20s to 30s and you're like, oh, fuck, they were just trying to figure it out too. Yeah, like, and being a parent now, I'm telling you right now, whoa. <laughs> like, 
no idea day to day what I'm doing. And I can imagine my parents were the exact same way, especially when you think back on it. Like they were, like you said, just trying to make it, man. Yeah. But, but so you take their, again, this isn't so much about being a parent or whatever. It's about right. you being a child and hanging on every word because yeah, well, you it, think they're it, the smartest think person it in the world. It applies because I don't even think about the things that I say every day. Like yeah. in terms of like, you look to your parents as them teaching you. But as a parent, I don't look at it as I'm teaching you. I'm like, man, I am doing what I can. Like, <laughs> I guess trying to show you. But you, yeah. it's just like not actively being like these. This is right or wrong. It it automatically is just like this is what I believe. So this is what you should believe. Yeah, I'm just talking, bro. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's not like I'm trying to like map out this thing on like what's right and wrong for kids. And I think most parents are just like, well, this is what I already believe. So it's going to imprint on my child. Yeah, yep. And and but, uh, again, just one other thing that I noticed is you start to see there's an infiltration of this this like shitty thought, this racist thought, because they have a cop in front of their house now. The Lees do. Yeah. After the burning cross, and he's a dickhead. He's like, "Oh, this city's very very safe, especially for people like you. Metropolis goes out of its way for you, giving you houses and jobs and promotions you don't even have to earn." Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. I mean, that's underlying grossness, man. Yeah, in the face that he makes. That's the thing with this style. It's almost uh, Disney. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the very face, Disney. The face that he's making is just like, he doesn't know that he's being awful, yeah. you know? Yeah, which which I think is sort of the case back then. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, a lot of those people don't see anything wrong with what they with how they were. And you know what the sad thing is? Some of those people are still alive. Or like their kids are alive. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where why we are in the situation that we are in right now. Yeah. Sad. Uh, one last thing I'm going to talk about in issue number one. We're doing better. We didn't break down page by page because there's like, yeah, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. We're not doing yeah. that. Even though I do. I've, I've grown very fond of Jimmy Olsen. Meth. I I like him now, man. In, in this, it's it's a I like him because he's an innocent yeah. kind of whatever. I, I like Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, I think I'm gonna start collecting some old Jimmy Olsen books. <laughs> he had like a book in, in back in the day called Superman's Friend Jimmy Olsen. I think I'm gonna go back and collect because <laughs> it's just like he's just a dude that knows Superman. Like yeah. that's just a weird story. And I I like weird stories. Okay, so. Issue number two. Teenager Tommy Lee is missing and Superman is on the case. It can't be a coincidence that just last night Tommy bravely confronted the clan of the Fiery Cross when they surrounded the Lee's family's metropolis house and told them to go back to Chinatown. As we learned before, the year is 1946 and Clark Kent is still new to being Superman, which I love that. Mm -hmm. he, is, he doesn't even know how to fly yet. His search for Tommy is conducted in a huge gravity-defying leap. Wait, wait, wait. He hasn't learned to fly yet. His search for Tommy is conducted in a huge gravity-defying leaps that make Tommy's that makes Tommy's sister Roberta suspect that the man of tomorrow may not be an Earthling after all. Sorry, I fudged that up. There was a very reporter-esque style right there. <laughs> but if this strange young hero can adjust to his adopted home, perhaps she can too. 
First, he must stop the clan from blowing up the Unity House. And yeah, that's, that has welcomed the Chinese-American family to their community. But could the real target be across town, where Superman's friends, Jimmy, Lois, and Perry, work at the Daily Planet? Sorry, I botched that, guys. That was really wordy. That's, uh, yeah, that's a lot. And there was so and again, there's so much going on in these issues. Yikes. Because I forgot about the blowing up thing. This is issue two. Yeah. So this is this issue. You, we start to see more development of Superman powers. His parents are his projections of his parents, which are like his subconscious. So they're like they look like aliens that he saw in the magazine, but they're also wearing like mon pa overalls and and aprons and shit. But they start to change. Yeah, yeah, they're slowly changing. And yeah, um, they tell him as he's looking for Tommy Lee Jones or Tommy mm. Lee, the rock artist. Because he's out on the boat. That's right. Getting blown by Pam Anderson. Ooh. <laughs> I take. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, so he, they say, like, look through, you know, find him. And uh, so he learns x-ray vision. That's one of the first things. Um, are they really, are they hallucinations or are they actual projections from that machine? I think no, I don't think that they're hallucinations. I I just mean that they're like his mental projection. He might be cuz I don't know if they really ever explain how they're doing that. Yeah. I think they they say in the third issue that that they recorded that yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, they explain it well enough. They record the message but they don't explain how like on this radio thing, but they don't explain how they're doing these projections but anyway they tell him to look through with x-ray vision so that's how he has that he finds tommy lee um at this point also chuck the little racist kid has kind of figured out the right thing to do um he's still dicey because his elder is this clan leader but he's helping superman find tommy lee and mm-hmm. so that was yeah, because his hero is Superman. Would you yeah. see earlier in the first issue that he has a Superman shirt on? His uncle makes a comment about like your hero because these people think Superman's a human that's like super strong, mm-hmm. and so they so these KKK members are looking at Superman like that's why we're yeah. better than everybody. He's the pinnacle of white people, right? Which I love that they talk about that because Superman is a white guy. Like even though he's an alien and. You know, all this stuff. He's like a white guy. So these guys are like, man, this guy is a strong man, which we'll reference in issue three. But in this, I, I appreciate him, Chuck, the kid, sort of like questioning, is my family bad? But he says something in issue three that I loved. But he talks, even his mom, who ends up, they the Daily Bugle is... It's not the Daily Bugle, Daily Planet. That's why the Daily Planet <laughs> is like, we want to help out to a thousand dollar reward if you can give us any information on the KKK. Mm-hmm. Chuck's mom's like, tell me what you know about the KKK. And he's like, uh, what? What the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't know shit about the KKK, even though he does. And she's like, no, I'm just kidding. I think those guys should all go to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then she says, what, well, what's so bad about like just wanting to be around your own people? Which is, is something like you've talked about, like that just sort of blanketed, not racism, 
but racism. Like, yeah, they don't understand that they're being racist. Yeah, it's not it's not coming from pure malice, but yeah, it's also not inclusive. So yeah, not inclusive and just sort of ignorant. Mm-hmm. And of the times, like that's just how people thought back then, which a lot of people still think that, which is fucking weird in <laughs> yeah. 2021. Passing that shit off. And I think some of that stuff now, not to get political, I think some of it now is just the way journalism works. You know, like they're going to make the loudest, stupidest people front and center because it's good ratings. It's not necessarily the majority as it is portrayed in the, in the uh, media. Yeah. Which I think you and I both know just in general like our friends are pretty mixed bag i'm extremely mixed person like my (laughs) grandpa is fucking white as hell like straight up oklahoma white kid (laughs) my grandmother's japanese when they met they didn't speak the other person's language like beautiful story romantic but to me my initial thought is like oh they just had sex with each other (laughs) like oh you're attractive i'm attractive let's do it that's not there's no you know Love at first sight. They just were attracted to each other, had sex, and then like, oh yeah, let's do this. Yeah, my grandparents were like that too. My grandmother was German. I mean, they're white. Both of them are white, but yeah. the same language barrier thing. Yeah, and I just, it's weird. It's weird. I'm glad to see a lot of these conversations in this, though. I'm also glad to see that they. I was glad to see that the Atomic Man, which is the Nazi from the beginning, is still here. Yeah, he's uh, letting a one note, but he's getting payback. Fuck him. But which is like weird payback because he's getting like the Nazis or not the Nazis, but the KKK are like experimenting on him. Yeah, which is weird. Um, I like the look into Superman's past and this like radio object, which pays off different uh, a little bit in issue three. Mm-hmm. Um, when he tosses it in the lake because he's just he wants to be he wants to be normal. He doesn't want to be an alien. Yeah. I love his pair. I love, I will always love Ma and Pa Kent. Mm-hmm. They, people talk about how Superman is this like infallible character and how he's like a boy scout, but I don't think so. I think Ma and Pa Kent are that. They're those infallible characters that like sort of are the cornerstone of who Superman is. And I'll yeah. always love that about them. And it just to see their, Ma, Ma Kent has a little bit of that why can't we just be with our own people type of thing but not so much mm-hmm. she's like uh, we don't want it to be weird we don't want you know let's not tell him he's an A let's not do that let's just what's wrong with our life how it is right and Paul's like we should tell him but then he flips and like no that shit is they switch she wants to tell him everything and Paul doesn't want any more trouble she want, he wants to be perfectly normal I, yeah. I, I loved that conversation yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see what else happened. They go to the movies. Yeah. I like this. See, like a Flash Gordon fucking movie, yeah. Emperor Ping or whatever that goes. <laughs> yeah. I like the. Um, I like that Superman runs around on the electric wires because he's trying to be mm-hmm. conscious, uh, conscious of like traffic. <laughs> that is good, but it, it was extreme. I did not like it in the first issue. Because he just jumps up on the on the wire and he's just standing there. Uh-huh. And it's like Superman has to weigh two forty, if not more. And what? it's like and it doesn't change at all. But they and this is before we learned the about you know his gravity defying things. Yeah. But 
it doesn't move at all and he's just like standing there and we know that he doesn't fly so i'm just like i think it's subconscious if i had an explanation all right you said i mean we learned that later on but yeah. first, when i read the first issue i'm just like oh yeah yeah i, I had the same problem I'm like how does he balance anyway how does he run on him yeah <laughs> but then we learn as roberta explains because the in, the first issue, in the first issue he carries them but she makes a reference that like when he lands it doesn't feel like an impact at mm-hmm. all. She just he just lands. And um and so I guess that makes sense. But it is cool that he runs along the the uh what's it called? An electric line. Sorry, I drew I drew line. <laughs> I, I also love the have the um continued connection between um Roberta and Superman. He gives a he gives her his cape. Um, because she, he says like, Ma gave me so many, you know, I can mm-hmm. spare one. He used it as a sling for Tommy. Gives him his, gives her his cape. She uses it as a blanket. And then her mother, you know, there's some other things that happen, but her mother makes it into a jacket, which I thought was really sweet. Um, yeah. because she had thrown up on her jacket and their dad, because they're in a new situation, threw it away. Like, oh, we'll buy you another one. Yeah. And that was like her security blanket. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that her new security blanket is fucking Superman's cape. Uh, one other thing I'll tell you that I love about issue number two and just the story in general is the KKK members aren't very bright. And I will always love that depiction of them uh, in general. Like in Django, I absolutely, I will never love the KKK more than this <laughs> man's stupid. Than in that scene, her is like, don't you ask me? <laughs> I mean, tears. I was laughing so hard. And like, just to think about in terms of history and like how hate mongering they were in that time, fast forward to, you know, 2018, whenever that movie came out, to black people sitting in the theaters and laughing at them. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, it's just weird to think about, but I think about weird things like that, I guess, uh, because I love, I I genuinely love that scene. I never, you know, I guess black people back then would never think like, I will love a scene with the KKK. <laughs> yeah. So weird, but that scene's great. <laughs> yeah. And this is, uh, and it, so this gets really nefarious. Like, like you said, these are bumbling idiots that they're ghost costumes, um, <laughs> but they, they, Try to bomb the Unity Center. This is where all this mixed blood is that's ruining their community. So kids, yeah, they've decided they're going to blow it up. And uh, what's his name? Chuck. Chuck's the the kid that yeah. Chuck it convinces them they go watch this movie because he knows about this plan. Um, I he's still conflicted though. I like that he doesn't initially tell him like they're going to bomb this place. Instead, yeah. he just says, "Let's go to the movies." Hey, let's just get out of here real quick. He's conflicted, and he's a such a great character. You don't think that he's going to be in the first issue, but he ends up being such a great character in this book, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, definitely a good change uh, of personality. He so Superman saves the rabbi, the priest, and the uh, I don't know, reverend or whatever in the I Unity like Center. The, I like the first issue, which is like this is going to sound like a bad joke, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he fails to save the building itself. And yeah. at this point, uh, they all realize that this is a ruse uh, and that the real attack or another attack was happening at the Daily Planet uh, downtown. There's like this huge cross burning on the Daily Planet. 
the fight. stakes are the stakes are so much higher for a Superman that can't fly. Mm-hmm. Like he's super, he has super speed, he's fast, but it just it, he's not as fast as being able to fly. You know what I mean? So like him being at the Unity Center and then having to race across town, like I just feel like the stakes are way more way higher. And then him having to run up the building like he has to. Well, that's in the third issue, but still. I don't know. I just like, I, I think that I need more 1940s Superman stories. Yeah, I would love that. They I, updated it's it. weird. Like, I'm okay with him not getting in an arm wrestling match with Batman. <laughs> like, I'm okay with him not being on the Justice League. I, I like this more, I think. And that's, it's, it's I weird. feel like that's probably what we need. We've had, I mean, in comics in general, Spider-Man yeah. was good when he went uh, back in the day. He really was yeah. because... Of course, he has his own problems, but there's not this greediness and everybody wants to kill you and then now Spider-Man's dead and now Superman's dead and he's back yeah. alive and, you know. Yeah, I agree. Anything else that stood out at issue number two for you? Um, I think, no, I think that pretty much covers it Um, as far as issue two. Yeah, I think that's, I think we got a good idea. He talked about, he talked about, um, Racism, not only between white people and ethnicities, different ethnicities, we talked about different cultures being racist towards each other. Mm -hmm. But in issue number two, we see sort of an intercultural, not necessarily racism, but maybe a little bit of classism and just overall judgment. Roberta runs into Mm -hmm. her old friends and she's so excited to see people that look like her and just in general is comfort. Um, But they're kind of cold to her. And she yeah. doesn't understand why. And then she they they have a conversation. She's like, "Well, you were always kind of stuck up, even though people misunderstand sort of social anxiety for being stuck up. I'm sure you've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And and so one of the girls just completely is like, "Eh, whatever, bitch. I didn't like you before." And the other one was like, "Well, you know, we always thought you thought that you were kind of better than us. You know, you had the big your doctor. Your dad was a doctor. You moved to the big city. You kind of left us all behind. So it's like it's good seeing you, but." Bye, bitch. <laughs> yeah. They really, yeah, they're very rude to her. I was, so that was cool to see. Just like, it's not, just like, being uncomfortable and, and this whole era, it's multi-layered. Like, yes, the KKK was this hate-mongering group, but there was, there was more going on than just that. Yeah. Listen, if you're like me, you're tired of going out on the hunt for great pops or NECA figures and finding empty or destroyed displays. That's where Galactic Toys and Collectibles comes in. They have a great selection of Funko, NECA, Gunpla, and trading cards. All your nerd essentials. Their stock is always rotating, so you never know when they'll have that thing that's sold out everywhere else. Use our affiliate link through my Instagram, Simon Toast, in the description or on our website, and surf their stock. You never know what you'll find, and it will really help out the show. And I, I appreciated that. So here we are, issue number three, the last big-ass issue. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Superman smashes the clan number three. The Daily Planet is under attack. When the clan invades the newspaper's office, they kidnap Lois Lane, Perry White, and Inspector Henderson. The clan's stacks have separated our heroes, forcing Roboida and Jimmy Olsen to step up and help save the Daily Planet staff. But the clan has one more surprise to reveal. 
In order to save his friends and stop the clan once and for all, Superman must face his own identity to unleash his full potential and ultimately accept who he is. I can't see the name Roberta without saying Roboida. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird name for her English name. Mm-hmm. So much happened in this issue. If we went panel by panel for this story, this whole story, it would be like a three-hour episode. So let's just talk about your favorite things from issue number three. I can go first if you want me to. Yeah, go ahead and go first. I love the explanation, sort of. So we talk, we dive deep into further, further conversations with Superman's birth parents and him, and how they keep talking to him over and over, like, "Hey, stop being half of who you are. Stop only." Stop limiting yourself, pretty much. And then we learn, like, he was at a circus one time, and he saw this strong man, and he ended up saving the strong man, having a very good conversation with him, and then the strong man was like, I wear a costume. That's how I, I you know, I hide myself. And he was very kind of Superman-esque, where he has, like, a cape and everything. Yeah, and then well, so, and he, he was the ticket taker. Yeah. I recognize him as the ticket take her at the circus yeah and the conversation between him and lana lang is like is that the ticket taker or superman is, is notices it but she's like no there's no way and mm-hmm. it kind of plays to that whole like how how come people don't realize that clark Kent is <laughs> superman yeah yeah i love that. she's like there's no way he's you know there's no way he's bald and yeah he didn't smile <laughs> it's just like a weird it, it's so weird that you don't notice it or whatever and i thought that was great and it just, it sort of made more sense on the Superman that doesn't fly. Like, he's more of a strong man. He wants to appear as a strong human. That was cool. And, God, so much happens. I'll, I'll, so, one thing that I'd like is uh, just how... So, Roberta brings this up to him later, but he could have saved the people... He could have gotten to the Daily Planet faster if he could fly. But he had to leap, so he's, like, climbing the building. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, it's just like a <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're doing crazy. You're doing worse, but not by limiting. Because she notices that that she he limits himself. Mm-hmm. One panel. I'm gonna talk about a panel that I really love. It goes back to the bumbling Ku Klux Klan idiots. Is he had uh, the Grand Scorpion or whatever has Perry, which I love Perry in this book as well. Perry always is an asshole and everything. But he, he's still kind of a jerk in this, but he is, like, very progressive. Lois Lane, which Lois Lane is typical Lois Lane. They write her really well in this story. Mm-hmm. But the Grand Scorpion Wizard, whatever his name is, he's like, the loyal knight who gifted me this blade told me all about its storied path. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, you would think a blade with a, such a storied path would cost more than two seventy nine. And it has like the price tag still on it. I thought it yeah. was so great. That is I also, good. I also thought like uh, you couldn't buy a blade for two dollars and seventy nine cents. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's nineteen forty. Not that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, and uh, one thing I thought about is like he didn't notice that at all. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. We <laughs> uh, do moment, right? But it, just it being cheap and like reflecting off of his body was great. Mm-hmm. One thing in this issue, we start getting reveals of how of these other characters, um, like his the other guy that worked with the fat guy in the health department, 
Yeah, just, it got real deep real fast. Not like yeah. deep, like it was it just like down the rabbit hole. Well, and I just mean like the the other blonde guy that said, you know, it's not dog, but it'll be okay. Um Well, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the fat guy. Yeah, so the fat guy, you know, you find out is like the grand grand wizard man. Um, a little bit later in the issue, but what I love about this is I feel it's so truthful, especially, like I said, I feel like it's very, very, very poignant and uh, topical because it's like, you actually believe this shit? Like, yeah. yeah. We're just in it for the money. Like, you lost all our dues by attacking the Daily Planet. This guy's only, yeah, the, the leader of this group, not even necessarily the leader of the KKK as a whole nationwide, mm-hmm. but like, as far as this region. Right. He's only 1940s racist, which I feel like is a sad thing to say, but he's like not KKK hardcore hate monger. He's just like 1940s racist. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, he's not trying to lynch anybody. Yeah, he's like, I don't give a shit if these foreign people come here. It makes my life easier. <laughs> it was like, I just need them to do what they're supposed to, what they come here to do. Mm-hmm. I'm about making money. He's like, you, you, like you said, you believe this shit? I don't care about that, man. And this guy is just like his whole world shattered. The uncle, yeah, uh, I think it was great. Before that, though, we, um, I thought it was good that it also talks about how, or it kind of like uh, gives an example of how these people see him as just a strong white man, mm-hmm. because Superman busts in and they're like, "Oh, we can take him. There's four of us." But like we know Superman. If Superman really wanted to, he could just, yeah, pop all their heads off like it was nothing. But they're like, oh, we can jump him. He's fine. He's just like a strong man, a circus strong man. Yeah, they don't. He does, like a, he does like a tornado and knocks them all on their asses. Yeah, he, they don't know that he's bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so good. I, I like the appearance of the Fortress of Solitude, and I love that it's in Lake yeah. Solitude. Yeah, you know the radio thing busts open. Lake that Solitude. Really yeah, it makes a lot of sense for like the naming. Yeah, I think it's, it makes more sense than it being in the middle of like Antarctica. Uh-huh. And his and his parents are finally revealed as these, you know, human humanoids, yeah. Yeah. Characters. Before like after Superman beats those guys up, before right before this Fortress of Solitude panel, the uncle has a conversation with Superman. He's like, You why are you fighting us? Like you are what we are fighting for. You are the white man. Like you are proof that our blood is the purest. And Superman's just like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, I feel like normal people that have conversations with people like this are just like beside themselves. Like, what? Yeah. I feel like you would be like that if someone came to you like, Simon, you are exactly what we love. You are pure blood. Like, you should hate everybody. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, being around just, like, straight-up crazy people. I have a yeah. cousin like that. He's not, like, racist, but he's a QAnon conspiracy guy, and he goes off on these tirades, and I'm like, dude, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? You learn that this guy may not, the leader, the fat leader of the region of the KKK, may not be hardcore hate-monger against ethnicities, but he's like, this guy is an alien. I don't give a shit about black people and Chinese people. We got a fucking alien here, man. <laughs> yeah. And so he's creating very Lex Luthor. It seems like a misstep to not make that just Lex Luthor. 
Mm, yeah. But I guess DC was like, you're not going to make Lex Luthor the leader of the KKK. He's a bad guy, but he's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a bad guy, but he's not racist. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, we're not going to make Lex Luthor. Even, but Superman... He's a xenophobe. Superman brings up Lex Luthor, though. Because mm. uh, he, he's yelling at the hallucinations. He's like, you're not real. Are you... Does Lex Luthor doing this? Yeah. Which I thought it was like, just make this fat guy Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor wants to kill Superman. It makes sense. But I guess, like I said, DC's like, mm -hmm. Lex Luthor and the KKK. Come on, man. We still got to sell. We got to sell movies, man. Yeah, not in the KKK. But I mean, if you think about it, Lex Luthor is a xenophobe. Like, 100%. he doesn't like it because he's an alien. So, yeah, 100%. We learned that the dad quits the job because. So, I would. I have to ask you. Did the dad take the job because he knew that they were trying to figure out a way to kill Superman? Because to me, that's what it felt like. No, I think it was... Because originally, he had hate for Superman. Or well, he was like, Superman did this to you? And they were like, once he learned that Superman was a good guy, he left, the, the, he left his job because the mom was like, he doesn't believe in the mission anymore. Well, and I think the mission changed. You know, it wasn't about researching a weakness for Superman. Maybe not necessarily killing him, but a weakness. Yeah. But he doesn't hate... I don't think he hates Superman. I think that he is wary because there's this super strong dude that's just running around beating people up. I'm being yeah. kind of freaked out. Anybody uh, would. This guy... Superman could kill anybody on the entire planet if he wanted to. Like, yeah, pretty quickly. But once he figures out that it's about killing him, I think that's why he left. And and probably meeting him and him saving his son plays a lot into that too. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, <laughs> the uncle is just so distraught, his world shattered, that he kills the fat, money hungry guy. Yeah, with his little laser gun. Well, and it's so that's one of those things. Like it's like a it's like Loki right now. Like Ravana knows that the timekeepers aren't real, but she's like, no, we need order. This is still, I'm going to continue this. Yeah. Keep the status quo. And that's what the uncle's doing. Yeah. And he, he's, you know, they drew him very well. He's red in the face. He's extremely frustrated. He's like, I, this what? <laughs> like, you don't hate people? He's like, I, I don't like people. I mean, I don't yeah. give a shit. Though. <laughs> Some people I do not like. What I didn't like about this character, I think he's the one that really gave me the Pokemon vibes is, are those like three his hair yeah yeah the three hairs um yeah. three clumps of hair yeah uh, i like that the uh, roberta is like listen i don't have to be best friends with these girls but i could because she she realizes that she also has been apprehensive she's like i don't have to be best friends with them but i can at least try to be friends with them and then she realizes like those girls aren't that bad it it deals a lot with like they have not been exposed to any sort of culture outside of being white like, their whole life is the Sandlot. Even though there was that one black kid in Sandlot. There's, their whole life is the Sandlot. And so she's, they, and they're not even that bad. They're like, yeah, what's up, your seed? You can hang out with us. So it's good to see moments like that. This book is very good with, like, the moments. Like, had a lot of, the, the racist moments are good and the, like, wholesome moment. The 1940s wholesome moments are good. Yeah. Uh, like, I think the dad apologizes to those three black guys that saved their life at the baseball game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, man, it's okay. Your house was about to be on fire. <laughs> it's like a normal thing to like try to help people. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. It's like, 
it's normal to like want to help people. It just is. Like if you were on fire, I wouldn't be like, "Fuck, man, that sucks." Yeah, I'm out of here. Yes, <laughs> yes, you're dead, Dan. Yeah, sorry, Simon. If you were black, I would save your life, but you're white, and uh, that's kind of gross. So I'm gonna let you die. That's just weird. It's weird. Anybody that thinks like that. If you're listening to this podcast and you are uh, like a racist or a xenophobe, you're in the wrong place, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're like, what? You guys read this book entirely different than me. <laughs> this was a white man's horror story. <laughs> <laughs> Superman, whatever. And uh, yeah, and so this guy, the uncle, assumes the role as leader. Key moment, though, the daughter finds crypt- the kryptonite shard. Uh, I guess the dad took it, realizing that they were using it to create weapons. Mm-hmm. And, and he has all the weapons. Super- but Superman has also talked to his parents and realized that he needs to just be Superman. Right. Fuck, fuck what everybody thinks. But his worst fear comes true. Like, he comes oh, in yeah. flying and the people are like, kill him, he's a demon. <laughs> but to me, that was great. Yeah, I don't know, but but to me it was great because like it shows because the kids reacted correctly, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like whether we'd like to admit it or not, generationally things like this generation that are younger than us are more accepted to like everybody, and we just sort of water down that old school hate a little. It sucks that we're not there right now. It doesn't make sense that we're not there right now, but I feel like. Every generation waters it down a little bit more, mm-hmm. and it it proves that because the uncle's like, "Look at him, he's a real alien. We hate him." And like you mentioned before, it's kind of jarring. You see this guy that's been protecting us realize that he can fly now, and it's just like, "Uh, he's even scarier." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Kill him. But the kids are like, "What?" Yeah. He saved your cat out of the tree last week. Like, he stopped Atomic Nazi Man from destroying the dam three <laughs> weeks ago. Now you want to kill him? But you would be dead if he wasn't here. And uh, and he's getting all this hate, and he's still like, you know what? I got to save these people. And, and that's what I love about Superman. Is Superman does not give a shit. Even though in this we've seen him, like, second-guess himself, now he's like, yeah, I got to save. I got to save these people. Mm-hmm. I can see the kryptonite sucks. Kryptonite, kryptonite blaster to the to the head. But it's interesting because he, he I don't feel like he gets as hurt because it's like watered down. So they say that they parse this kryptonite from that Nazi's blood. Yeah. So that that was kind of interesting. But this is a great moment. For finally, a connection. Like Superman's getting kind of messed up, but. The uh, the little girl figures out that lead stops this radiation from mm-hmm. the kryptonite, from the green gem or whatever. So she throws it to Superman to plug up this like super cartoony, like 50s cartoon, plug up this cannon and it mm-hmm. blows up. Yeah. And that messes. Oh, and we missed where that racist ass cop pulls a gun on that detective for <laughs> Yeah, the detective's like, I'll stop this. And he's like, no, you won't, boss. <laughs> and he says, this This guy has the, the most diabolical lines in the book. Mm-hmm. He's like, 
Are you, you're not wearing your badge? Without your badge, I can't tell you guys apart from each other. And he looks like fucking Yosemite Sam. He has this big stupid mustache. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Just... You recognize he's your boss. Superman's down there. You really think this is going to end up in your favor? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think. What are you doing, buddy? It's one of those like plants, you know, that like they plant a gun so they had an excuse to shoot somebody. He's like, oh, I couldn't tell it was him. Yeah, I shot him because he, you know. Yeah. But yeah. And, and you think it's over. You think that the uncle's going to be stopped. But then he he's like strapped with bombs, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's going, he's like, you know, just in case, which is smart, smart on his behalf. He's going to blow the, all that shit up. Kill everybody. Everybody in Metropolis is at this baseball game. Even though Metropolis is big enough to have Chinatown and like the suburbs at a big metropolitan city. But everybody's at this baseball game. I have a, I do have a little problem with this, the the way the ending was written uh, or this particular area is that it won't end. Like, so Superman flies him away from the crowd, blows it with clear. He explains he doesn't know how the hell he's doing it when the uncle asked him. I don't know. Um. Okay, so he stops that. Then the uncle pulls out a kryptonite blade, right? So it won't stop. And this is where I think that the uncle's going to die because you see that so often. Of you know, mm-hmm. a, a flying character taking the the uh, antagonist up in the air, and they and they stab the flying character for some reason, and then fall to their death. Um. Yeah. But Superman saves him in the last second. And, uh, yeah. Why didn't he cut his throat? <laughs> yeah. Like, why just, uh, he just cut that hope. When he slashed him across his big, broad-ass chest. <laughs> hope, man. He had to... Was it supposed to be metaphorical for, like, cutting hope? I don't know. It doesn't make sense now. Stab maybe... him in the eye. <laughs> Stab him in the top of the head. There are more vulnerable places, yes. Across the chest? Like, not even in the chest, across the chest. Yeah, like, the blade itself can't puncture his wounds, but it kind of weakens him for a second. He's got a... Superman has a 99% chance of surviving a slash across the chest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But if you stab him in the eye, he's at least going down for the count for a while. (laughs) He ain't gonna get it back. Golly, those... What an idiot. Code. Uh, Yeah, I agree. My... Like the freeze breath thing, I was like, oh, okay, that's, I guess that's cool. More Superman's powers that he's supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, realizing. Um, I thought the guy was just going to explode himself on Superman. That's how I wanted the guy to go out. Because yeah, they don't understand Superman. I thought he was going to be like, you know what, beep, boom. And Superman's like holding just the, the coming back down. <laughs> and he's just holding the grief. So I'm like, I don't know, that guy's dead. Yeah. He- I'm sorry. Explode. But then, like, sort of leading into, like, uh, this is exactly how I imagined it. And this is a YA book, so, of course, I'm going to do that. He shoots him up in the Superman flies him up in the air. He, bombs go off. He dies. Superman comes back down with, like, shreds of the green cloth left, and then all the people blame him. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Superman just killed him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Superman has to deal with, like, I'm still going to save these people, even though they hate me. But no, they're like, yeah, Superman's pretty cool. We love him. We love him. And then, just like, but it's 40s, and I love, I do appreciate the 40, sort of 40s corny ending. 
the newspaper, BDD Superman saves the day. He's an alien. I love, I always love, you know, people talk about Superman's relationship with Lois and how they should be married. I love this relationship with Superman and Lois. And yeah. I like it when she doesn't know he's, he's Superman. Even though I get it, like she's really, really smart and she's around them both a lot. She would figure out, I get it. I do like that. But I, I like the tease of like, yes, Lois knows, but she doesn't say anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know you're Superman, but we're going to just play kind of coy with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Superman being completely in love with her. He yeah. mentions it like when all these people are spouting that hate and they're just like being angry, she looks at him and she's smiling and she's excited. He's like, I, I love, I'm in love with her. I love that dynamic between them. Yeah, um, I do. I just love that. I love the Superman alien, ultra powerful guy being in love with this woman that could give sh- a shit less about Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah. Sad. And then like Clark, it's, it's kind of Clark's fault because like even when they're at the diner and she's like trying to talk to him and he sees his parents, she's like, I'm trying to talk to you and you're looking at her. And he's just like this kind of idiot. He's like, no, wait, what? And she leaves. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets a chance to like bring it up, he's like, I'm sorry at the diner. Tell me what you were saying. And then Superman moment, he's listening to a phone call. He's like, I got to get out of here. She's like, you, you're the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think it's funny, like how he tries to explain away how he wasn't stared at that woman. Yeah. I just, I love that. I, I think I'm calling it right now. I, I don't like, not that I don't like modern Superman, but I like this Superman significantly more. Yeah. It's a uh, definitely, definitely better. It makes more sense to me. Yeah. Because why wouldn't he just, beat the shit out of everybody now <laughs> yeah what's holding him back really he should just beat the shit out of everybody send him to the phantom zone and then like peace on earth you don't need batman if gotham is across the pond superman go over there turn the lights on because it's like fucking really dark over there all the way <laughs> like go over there <laughs> zip everybody up what are you doing mm-hmm. he's the superman might be the worst modern day superhero yeah, he was definitely in an age where they, I don't know. It, even if you, you know, I read that action or whatever uh, action comic number one, action comics number one. Yeah, you did. Yeah, reading that, I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it makes more sense though, and because it is because he is such a ridiculous character. Yeah. So in the end, um, you know, so there's this budding relationship between, um, uh. Lois, Roberta, no, Roberta, and what's the uh, uh, Jimmy throughout the whole thing, um, and now she's also a what is it cub reporter? Cub, cub reporter, yeah, yeah, child labor laws, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> not yet. So yeah. yeah, she Lois Lane tells her that she's a great reporter throughout this whole thing. She even researched her name, and that's the LL is like her actual Chinese name, which was cool. That was, cool. That was really cool. She was like, I got to. I'm giving this back to you. It's an expensive pen. I know. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? People buy expensive yeah, pens? Yes. I guess. Yeah. And um, she was like, it even has your initials on it. I don't want it. And she was like, no, I'm Lois Lane. I am extremely, I'm smarter than everybody. Lois Lane is the Batman of Metropolis. She's like, no, I researched your name. This is actually your initials. And just like, poof, my fuck. Chris Angel yeah. style. God. <laughs> 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 Oh, that's good. Um, 
So, and that's pretty much it. That's how it ends. Like they're together, all of them, everything fighting yeah. against crime. Yeah. Yeah. Racism has ended. Superman has ended racism across America for a century. Uh, yeah. Utopian 2020. Like what's stopping you, man? You have the firsthand experience of how the KKK and racism is like such a big deal. What's stopping you in 2020 from just beating all those guys up? No, no, man. Superman's the worst modern day superhero. He worked better in the forties. I didn't, I didn't think that before this, but I do now. Yeah. Let's talk about your overall opinion of the book, because we've, we've gone over our thoughts and, you know, things that we liked, but what did you think? Did you enjoy this read? It was long, but I did enjoy it. Very long. Uh, And the only real complaint I think that I have, because I I liked it a lot, and I liked the the humor in it, it was the Disney-esque art. It was, it it didn't fit the tone. I know the tone. Because it was, even though it was, it felt, it was a light book. It felt light. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it didn't shy away from the tones. It, it called the, you know, the, the Asian people, they were like Ching Chongs. And Ching Chong, yeah. It called the police officers boy a lot. Like, it was very, they didn't shy away from it at all. Um, but the art style was, a, was more YA than the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll talk about art in a second. Um, uh, what did you, like, Going into it, Superman smashes the clan. Was it what you expected? Was it lighter, heavier than you expected? It was lighter, I guess, than I expected. Because I really, honestly, you had no context, right? Yeah, some of the sh- some of the shit that we've been reading gets real deep real fast. Yeah, you know, and some of these book these one offs, they're heavier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what kind of what I expected, but it was a lot lighter in tone. This book had completely, I like this story. This book completely, um, okay, so a lot of times when you have these like character-focused stories like Superman smashes the client, it's going to be very Superman-heavy and the side characters are extremely side characters. I feel like this book did a very good job at making it equally Superman, equal side characters. Mm, like yes. Superman wasn't exactly like all, it wasn't all Superman. Superman felt just as much as a side character as if not if Roberta felt more of a main character than Superman. Oh yeah. She's definitely the main character. Yeah. Show. And, and she saves his life, you know, there, yeah. um, several times there, there are interactions with these other characters that they kind of, when the uncle is in the baseball field, like he gets attacked by Jimmy Chuck, uh, Chuck and, and, uh, Tommy. Uh-huh. Before Superman arrives. Yeah, yeah. That's when he pulls out his gun, and that's when Superman's there. Yeah, and Jimmy and and Roberta save the people of the Daily Planet Yeah, before Superman gets there. So, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that a lot. The art style. Let's talk about the art for a second. Which I feel like we pretty much already did. I, uh, the colors, man. Oof, the colors were perfect in my opinion. Yeah, they yeah, I would say that the colors are really nice and there's really good it's not flat. They yeah. did a good job. It wasn't flat, but it wasn't like there wasn't a lot to it either. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But yeah, the arts, the actual art style, as far as like the designs of like anime Superman or like not even, not necessarily anime, more Disney Pixar Superman. And yeah. All the characters sort of look the same. So I will say I've always wanted to read a book by Cheeks Galloway and now I feel like I have and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're right. Cause, it, cause Cheeks has a great style. I love it. Uh, he pitched a Superman story a few years ago that didn't get picked up, and uh, now I'm starting to see kind of why. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that I did like about that. You know, there's a scene where he goes up to the top of the Daily Planet and like runs around the globe to put out the fire. I love. That. There's a lot that I love. Mm-hmm. And as far as like what happens, the action scene where he where after he uh, the splash page where after he closes the, you know, whatever, the weapon with the lead and then punches him like a beautiful Superman panel. Yeah. Or the panel where he, uh, where he lands into the stadium as Superman. It's like full Superman chest is caped. I'm just like, Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 There, there are some great panels and some great moments. Um, and I love, I love the design of like, you even mentioned before, I love the design of Superman bright blue, Black behind the S with the gold outline. It's, it was. It's a beautiful design. Hey, and I think honestly, for me, the art style is fine until you get to their faces. Mm-hmm. I know that they were probably trying to go for more expressive, but the the faces really, the eyes, you know, being huge and the eyes were all huge and huge. not very distinct from each other, right? At all. Yeah, those are the real problems that I have. Otherwise, I think it's passable it's fine i just i cannot get over the black the the s on his chest is probably my favorite unlike superman's in general superman's superman superman's the uh, the black with the red s and the gold trim it's perfect it is a my second favorite superman s from from now on my first one will always be electric blue baby <laughs> Always. Um. All right. Let's grade this thing. Yeah. Uh. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna cheat. On this one, I'm gonna give it two grades. Okay. They're yeah. just the book. We're gonna grade the book. And I'll go first. I think I let. Uh, I made you go first last time. So for the book, in general, I'm gonna give it. Uh, a D three. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't a bad piece of toast. It's a toast. If I ate that, I'd be like, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, that's and a good piece of toast. It didn't really. I, you know, there wasn't much I would add to this book except when it comes to the the art style. I feel like and, and inconsistent is not the word. Um, it just. With a different art style, it would have been a, a 10 out of 10 home run book. Yeah, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. With like a, oof, I don't even know. There's certain artists that would just not, this book would be a Eisner winning book with that. Mm-hmm. I, and I would even love like a reproduction of Action Comics number one, like that kind of style. Okay. A very old school style. Yeah. Um. So it, in the same vein, I would give it, you know, the story... I'd give it an E4. To me, that's good. 
uh, it was a really good story, nearly perfect in, in the way it's executed in the way that he sees these commonalities between him and, and Roberta. Like, I really like that. That was cool that he can relate to this little girl and she can relate to him. Um, but again, when it comes to art style, maybe like a D2. I just, I, I don't know. I, don't, I really, I really didn't like it, <laughs> the art style. Yeah, no, I'm not. I agree with that's why mine's a lower score because this is my second score, which I've been talking about. Uh, to me, an E5 is like a perfect score. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give, as a Superman story, this is the perfect Superman story. Yeah. For me. I feel like the E5, I, it, let's say, you know, people, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second in our closing remarks. People have been talking about our grading seal. Um, E5, as a su- this is the perfect Superman story. Yeah, absolutely loved it. As a, and I'm not even like a huge Superman reader at all. Like I, I do appreciate the character, but this had this story had made makes me appreciate Superman in such a different light. And I love, you know, he wasn't Superman. Superman, he was still coming to terms with being Superman, and it was so many different stories. It was the story of the KKK coming to just like people coming to America and fitting in. Superman coming to try it so many different storylines executed really well because it's really easy in my opinion to botch this yeah and I yeah. feel like it was executed in, in such in such a great way and I think the important thing honestly so, I think the important thing there is that it if 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 it couldn't have been written by a white person like this is written from someone's personal yeah. experience um I mean, yeah, yeah, it definitely couldn't have been written by like Bendis or anything. Could botch it. Yeah, but there it is, folks. So uh, it talks about the grading scale, and I started doing this thing on Twitter where I do weekly re- uh, the new Comic Book Day weekly review. So I do these little audiograms of giving my opinion on the books that I've read throughout the week. And I also like kind of reference like I give a score according to our grading scale, and people are like, "Oh my god, I'm so confused." You know, it's grading scale like it's it's too much. How do you understand it? And and I told everybody pretty much copy and paste like our grading scale is 100 percent nonsensical. Yeah. Like yeah. there's there's no there's no reason to it. There's no like way to interpret it other than like you yourself. Mm-hmm. Like the reason for it is so that like Simon could give his score and why. And like I can give my score and why. It's not like it's a ten out of ten. Yeah. See you guys next time. Pros and cons, ten out of ten. Yeah. It's like a the the reason is it's it's interpretive and in my and that's why I like it, because it is st- stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and and we couldn't do an interpretive dance because this is an audio Hey Simon, what do you think about this? so there you have it uh i'm not gonna change you know part of me i was at first but i started releasing these uh multiple reviews on like weekly issues i was like man maybe our maybe our maybe our grading system is too uh too complicated but i was like it's not complicated at all it's Mm -hmm. like the most uncomplicated it's like hey what should i rate this how do i understand this i'm like what do you think? Yeah. Go read it. 
don't give a shit about what I think. It's just my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, you go read it. Yeah, that's the thing. Because someone was like, okay, so you rated this uh, D3. How does that compare to this book? And I said, hey, man, it doesn't. <laughs> They're two different books. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't at all. And then it's just like, to me, not even being deep, I just appreciate that about it and it makes me love this even more. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Thank you for listening or re-listening to this episode. I wanted to pop back on here and talk about the newsletter that I mentioned earlier. Twitter has always been the main social media platform for me. That's where I consider a real community to be. Besides the Discord, of course, the link will be in the show notes. You should join. It's a really, really fun time. We have a treehouse. I don't know if that's titillating enough to make you join, but we have a treehouse. The chaos surrounding Twitter over the past few weeks has me worried that I'll lose contact with all the homies over there. So I'm working on a newsletter. It will be called, drum roll please, The Wednesday Poll List. Big surprise there. Every Wednesday morning, I will send you my top 10 recommended books of the week for New Comic Book Day. And at the bottom of each newsletter will be a link to the newest episode. So if you love the show and sometimes you don't see it in your queue, you'll be reminded that we're still around. I'm really excited about it and I hope that you'll give it a chance. I know I'm circling the drain, so I'll stop with the shameless promotion. We'll see you next week with our regularly scheduled show. (laughs) 